You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Love ain't easy! What's up, people? Hollywood here with another episode of Wild Hair. I want to start by thanking all the listeners, first of all, for listening, and second of all, for all the feedback. Keep sending it. Just when we think no one is listening, someone will send us some feedback, and whether it's good or bad, it makes us feel good that people care enough to comment. I have a very special guest joining me on this episode, and we have a lot of music to cover, so let's get to it. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. For our Crank It Up Spotlight, we're going to go with a band called All My Shadows. We have played this band on the podcast before, but the album released this year called Eerie Monsters is just too good, and I really felt the need to play another song. If you have never heard of All My Shadows, they're a newly formed band by both Stefan Lil on guitar and Andy Kuntz on vocals, who are both members in a progressive metal band called Vanden Plas. The music on Eerie Monsters is more straight-ahead rock than they usually do. Check out this great song called A Boy Without a Name.
for the meat of the episode. Today we have my friend Murph joining us. We're fairly new friends, and I met Murph through both Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast. Although we've never met each other in person, Murph and I constantly send each other songs via text to try out, so we figured why not bring that idea to the airwaves instead. I hope you enjoy the episode and enjoy the songs we're discussing. So let's get started. So today I have with me the next star of the podcast world. Some may already call him a star, but we just simply call him Murph. Welcome, Murph. Hello, Sonny. I am the Greta Garbo. Leave me alone. I don't <laughs> want it. I just want to pop in, have some conversation, debate, and then move on. Really? Because... I heard a rumor that you're the glue that keeps shouted out loudcast together. No, I'm like that sticky fecal matter that sticks to your underwear. Just that. Maybe that's the way oh to keep it again. <laughs> well, I heard you on Slamfest a while back, and I'm like, man, I better get him on the podcast where he like signs a contract or something. Yeah, that was fun. Certainly the depth of music knowledge does not uh, keep up with you. But if it's something that you know catches my fancy, I'm all in. Now, what's going to be interesting for the listeners, when we get talking, it's going to feel like we've known each other all our lives, but Murph and I have actually never met face-to-face, and we're actually new friends. I don't know about you, Murph, but it's crazy that we can make friends at the ages that we are and have, like, good friends that you've actually never met. I thought that by the time I hit 30, I had enough friends and I didn't need any more, and then you come along. Even though we have a lot of things that we're going to have differing opinions on, there's a lot of things that we share very strong interests. And it's great, especially when it happens uh, so organically. Yeah. So our plan today for the listeners is to find out more uh, what makes Murph tick throughout the episode versus doing like a history download at the beginning, because that's not a fun way to do it. So the topic at hand today. So Murph and I, every once in a while, we'll send each other songs and go, I think you'll like this. I think you'll like this. Our batting average is actually pretty high. So what we decided to do was make each other a 10-song playlist. That playlist link will be in the show notes. The intent was to have the other listen to some music. Maybe they've heard it, maybe they've not heard it, but maybe they'd actually like it. There was only one rule. You had to have half the songs at least be rock, hard rock, so all our listeners don't, like, shut off. And, you know, we do all Neil Diamond songs or something stupid. But, dude, you were overthinking this thing because we had to have a FaceTime conversation to calm you down. Uh, Yeah, because I know it's a big responsibility. I didn't want to walk onto this podcast and just start getting fucking shit on left (laughs) and right. So I wanted to have some guidelines. And I would say made a little more of an effort was, you know, as you said, we've exchanged notes and we know at this point what artists we like and where the sweet spot. We both really like Richard Marks. And, you know, so I wanted to try and pick some stuff that you either hadn't heard before, but then there were a few. I'm like, all right, I know he likes this, but you know, it might be a, a tune that gets a good conversation going. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because for all I know, you hated all my songs. We haven't shared our feelings on the songs, which is awesome because it's kind of like one of those reaction videos things, but you know, you get it on audio instead. Like what you're hearing? Share this episode out. Post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast. It will help us grow, and we greatly appreciate it. All right, so before we get going on to the meat here, Shout It Out Loudcast has these questions that they quote-unquote call Murph questions. And I'm not going to ask the same questions because that's very Kiss-centric, but when I did this type of episode with all three of my kids, I had these kind of questions peppered in. So we're going to start with one of those. So Murph, you can choose one and only one. Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, or Gwen Stefani? 
Christina. Really? You know, your buddy's a Spears fan. He's going to, like, jump off a bridge now. Well, that thought crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, he's already got dibs on her. <laughs> no love for Gwen Stefani at all? Not really. I, I was uh, never a big fan in the band or solo. But, yeah, Christina, same name as my wife, so maybe that's why I'm partial. <laughs> to me, Christina has the best voice out of the three, but she can be a little drama, a little Mariah Carey every once in a while, you know? I think all three of them will probably fall into that. Just ask Victor Weminyama. <laughs> hey, this is Mick Jones of Foreigner, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. So we're going to get to the music. So the first song on the playlist that I made for you was a song called Angel Devil by Talisman. So for those who don't know Talisman, Swedish band, Jeff Scott Soto's main band from the 90s and 2000s. They have seven albums. They pretty much laid down all their instruments when uh, co-founder and bass player Marcel Jacob passed away in 2009. So what I gave you, Angel Devil, is one of my favorite Talisman songs. Murph, let's get this baby started. What did you think about this song? Not a great one to start with for me. You know, just with the background, I was never, um, outside of, you know, the the hits that, uh, singles that crossed over into mainstream, you know, top 40, I wasn't into hard rock metal, you know, from the late 80s. And this song, you know, when I was going through them, I would go up and look and say, okay, when was this released? This sounded to me like something that would have come out in, you know, when I was in high school. So like 89, 90, any song that starts within the first 20 seconds with a, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's done. <laughs> but I gave it a chance. Speaking of the eighties, I liked that on Apple music for this single, the woman, I don't know if it was the album cover, looked like Nicolette Sheridan. So oh, yeah. That wasn't yeah. bad. And then just the back and forth, the angel, devil. It just, look, it wasn't a bad song. It just wasn't something that clicked with me. And, you know, there are songs we're going to cover that absolutely did. Just not this one. All righty then. All right. So for the listeners, here's a little bit of Angel Devil by Talisman. <laughs> Next, we're going to go with a song that's from a classic band, but not the classic lineup, with a song called Angel Tonight by Foreigner. So the album this is on, Can't Slow Down, came out in 2009, was the first album with new singer Kelly Hansen on lead vocals. Album didn't sell very well because, well, first of all, it's not Lou Graham singing, and second, it's 2009, not 1989. But to me, has some killer songs. This is one of them. Murph, what did you think about Angel Tonight? Because I guarantee you ain't ever heard this song before. Never heard it, probably played this one the most. As soon as it, I started hearing the lyrics, I went and looked. I thought it was Lou Graham. It's eerie. 
how much he sounded like Lou. I really like this song. It kind of reminded me a bit of Head Games. Just good rock and song. I was really pleased with it. For me, it sounded like something that could have come out of their catalog, like late 80s or early 90s. There are certain songs on here that, you know, like we said, the last one, I'm like, oh, that sounded like a late 80s. This one here fit with the times. Uh, really liked it. Nice surprise. Yeah. And that whole album is like that because Mick Jones was going for that. He wanted to give Kelly an opportunity to do a Lou Graham type record. It's the last record they released. They stopped doing it. They're a legacy band. Nobody cares if they release new music anymore, probably anyway. So for the listeners, here's a little bit of Angel Tonight by Foreigner. Okay, so the next Murph question. This might be a tougher one. Caddyshack, Crocodile Dundee, or the original National Lampoon's Vacation? Caddyshack. Do you even like the other two movies? That was so fast. Crocodile Dundee, yeah, I've seen it a few times over the years. And the original Vacation is obviously great, but Caddyshack, that and Slapshot and Animal House, those are probably, you know, for the classics, the the comedies that I'll always go to. And then probably more recently, you got like Dumb and Dumber. And, uh, yeah. you know, the Farrelly Brothers stuff. What if we had to go to Caddyshack 2, Crocodile Dundee 2, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Christmas Vacation. Because the other two are not that good. <laughs> Haven't watched a second of either one of those. The uh, Who's the guy that replaced Rodney Dangerfield? It was the guy, Jackie something. The jerk was on last night, and he was in that. <laughs> he was the gas station owner. Oh, I forget. Jackie Mason? Yeah, I think it is Jackie Mason. I always want to say Jackie Childs, but you know, because we're Seinfeld fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually enjoyed that movie. It's stupid, but I actually enjoyed both of the second movies of that franchise, but it's okay. Of course you did. Oh, yeah, of course I did, because it's better than The Godfather. Um, anyway, <laughs> I like to stick that in wherever I can. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Moving right along, next we have a song from one of my favorite bands of all time, Y&T, with Anytime at All. So this song is off of 1985's Down for the Count, Desert Island album for me. At this point, Y&T's about the most commercial they get. This is also the album that had Summertime Girls. Not a lot of people know Y&T. I'm interested to know what you thought of this song. I know this band has come up before. So I was familiar with the song. Not a bad song. Totally 1985 was like apps of fucking lootly. Yeah. You know, I heard a little of, it kind of reminded me a bit of maybe something Sammy Hagar, his voice, but that song almost sounded like it should have been in some type of montage from an eighties movie. Since we we're talking about that stuff, like, you know, the repair in the house and the fraternity or something like that, you know, it's an upbeat song. It sounds like something you'd 
be playing it, you know, driving around during the summer. It was a fun song. I liked it. Don't know if I would go back looking for it, but in the moment, you know, as I was going through this, it was like, okay, this is pretty good. I like it. It's got a good beat. Yeah. And the montage thing you're talking about, Summertime Girls was in Real Genius, right? So they were kind of writing songs like that. So, all right. So for the listeners, if you've never heard any time at all, here's a little bit of that. Listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So going from one of my favorite bands of all time to one of my favorite artists of all time, another man crush with Richie Kotzen with a song called Deeper Into You. So Richie's been involved in tons of things. Most people know him for Poison, Mr. Big, and now the Winery Dogs. But if you don't know it, Richie also has 25 solo studio albums. So this is off an album called Change, released in 2003. 
Richie has a lot of sides to him. This is more of his like Hall and Oates side because he was born in Philly. Murph, I've got a feeling you might have liked this song. I did. And in my notes, I had, is this on Sonny's sexy playlist? <laughs> Not quite. There is Richie songs there. <laughs> okay. But similar to the Foreigner song, looking to see if that was Lou Graham. I went to check to see if Cornell was doing backing tracks. It's eerie how much he sounds like him. This is a song that could have come out in the 80s, could have come out you know, last week. It just has a timeless sound to it. It was really, really good. Lyrics, I don't know, a little double entendre, you know, yeah. just uh, <laughs> into you. But I really like this one. This was, I in the moment, I was like, all right, well done, Sonny. Yeah, and maybe it should be on my Sexy Time playlist now that I'm thinking about it. It was weird. I was listening to Audio Slave earlier, and I'm like, God, Cornell sounds so much like Richie. Yeah. <laughs> They're dead on. Yeah, and this is where I kept listening, like, what does it remind me of? And there was a part of the song where it reminded me a bit of, and I don't know if he had any influence if you know he was a Journey fan, but I'll be all right without you. I just, I heard a little bit of that, you know, like you've used, uh, you know, earworms, just listening to these songs. I'm like, oh, where am I picking up different artists and maybe uh, influences? Yeah. So you'll pick that up in Richie. You'll pick that up in Jeff Scott Soto. Uh, obviously you pick it up in Journey because it is Journey. It all goes back to Sam Cooke. They're all huge Sam Cooke fans. Gotcha. And I'm a Sam Cooke fan. So that's why. Yeah. And so am I. Right. So, all right. So for those who've never heard Deeper Into You by Richie Kotzen, here's a little bit of that. I look around and all I see is empty, spent and broken down. Rows of people manufactured plastic magic. Aren't they beautiful? Then you come over to me holding something so fresh. Because we've never talked about it. I have no idea if you're a Van Halen fan. But the next question is, David Lee Roth, Sammy Hagar, or I guess I'll put Gary Sharon in there for the people who want to pick him. David Lee Roth. I like equally both eras, Dave and Sammy. But if I had to pick one, I am playing the earlier albums as opposed to, to Sammy's. But 5150 is probably the one I've listened to the most. But just overall, the collection, I mean, 1984, MTV, that was just everywhere. And uh, when you're 10, 11 years old, you know, it was kind of hard to ignore that and be influenced by that era of the band. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh, man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there?
It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Okay, so next song, here comes another Swedish band. Listeners are probably like, can this podcast talk about anything but Sweden? That's a no, because we love the Swedish band, so just live with it. Next song on the playlist is Heartbreaker by Heat. So this song actually has Eric Gronwall on vocals, who as of today's recording is still in Skid Row as a lead singer. I had to put that disclaimer in there because Skid Row keeps changing singers. So by the time this comes out, he may not be the singer anymore. I love Heat. I've been basically binging the music since 2019 because there's a lot of like 80s type flair in those songs with kind of like a modern production. Murph, this is a catchy song. It just depends on whether you can handle the hard rock or not. Not a fan of this one. I know you are a big fan of the band. I was hoping... You know, looking back, I was like, all right, wish he picked another one. I think I would have actually preferred Dion Warwick's Heartbreaker as opposed to this song. <laughs> Not Pat Benatar's? <laughs> well, that's at the top. But I think it was, for me, I almost viewed it as two different songs. The first half, his voice, just it didn't do anything for me. But it almost seemed like the second half of the song was more of your traditional hard rock song that I tolerated. But the first half just lost me and it was tough to get through the rest of it. Yeah, I love these guys because they've got that Europe final countdown feel to me. And, you know, I graduated from high school, turned 16 the same year that that album came out. So that sound is like ingrained in my head. Yeah. So anytime somebody hits that, it's where it's at. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, stuff that I'll get to is that there is a certain period of your life where some songs are just going to get more ingrained in and stick with you. Have you turned 50 yet? Yeah, a few months ago. Okay, so you're still three years younger than me. So we talk about it all the time on the podcast is Steven's about two or three years older than me. Dude, two or three years between 85 and 92, that's a lifetime because music is changing crazy. And I know Tom and Zeus have talked about as well. We were freshmen in college when Nirvana and Grunge, and that's the thing, is just that it completely shifted. So you're coming out, you're already all in on that late 80s music. And it's not surprising that there are, you know, just to buy a couple of years, you could have polarizing opinions about grunge and, and so forth. Yeah. So here's a little bit of Heartbreaker by Heat. And I guess uh, the listener can make their own decision here. I never knew about your plans, but I can't give a damn. Thought you were good, but you're bad.
song completely from left field. We got a right field song later on. Help is on the way by Toby Mac. Dude, I've been into all things Toby Mac lately just because my wife and I finally found an artist we both like. He is uh, Christian pop, sometimes rock, mostly hip hop, was in DC Talk for about 14 years and has been pretty much solo ever since 2000. Has nine studio albums, has been out there selling out theaters, small arenas, you know, taking out lesser known acts with them, doing all the things that we wish like big bands like Kiss would do. Toby's stuff is very faith-based. So I'm interested. I have no idea where you are on faith-based music, but uh, there's not a lot to hate on this song. So I'm hoping you don't hate this song. I don't hate it. This was a song on the year 10 that most surprised me because it does go off of you know the songs that, you know, outside of the pop songs that we've talked about on the side. This artist, I am surprised that you are such a big fan of. This song was okay. I have listened to a few of his other songs, you know, just because you've mentioned him. I think what probably didn't pull me in right away was it almost like at the beginning, it almost sounded like something that you would hear folks singing on the, you know, the chain gang and those old movies. Yeah. And it had um, that song, Take Me to Church. That kind of reminded me, and I'm not a big fan of that song, but it was okay. I'm not going to go looking for it, but I wouldn't say it was a bad song. It was just very surprising to know that you've become such a big fan of this particular artist because it just goes against the other artists you've recommended in the past. Yeah, it doesn't compare to Blood Semen of Load for sure. (laughs) No, it does not. (laughs) All right. Well, for the listeners, if you've never heard any Toby Mac, here's a little bit of Help is on the Way. Maybe midnight or midday, never early, never late. He gon' stand by what he claimed, lived enough life to say. I heard your heart, I see your pain, out in the dark, out in the rain. Feel so alone, feel so afraid, I heard you pray, in Jesus' name. It may be midnight or midday. He's never early, never late. He gon' stand by what he claimed. I lived enough life to say. Help is on the way, round in the corner. Help is on the way, coming for you. Help is on the way, yeah, yeah. I lived enough life to say. Help is on the way. Sometimes it's days, sometimes it's years. The next Murph question. This one's an important one. Kit Kat, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, or Snickers? As a child, Snickers. Now, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups because I can just pop them in by the bunches. Have you tried all the different kinds, the ones that got pieces in them, the creamy one now, the white chocolate? No. As a kid, when they came out with uh, the nuts, I was a fan of that, but now just Keep it simple. Just a uh, traditional Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, obviously the ones, the little minis, that's too much work. Just give me the two in the package so I can rip through it and, and move on. Kit Kats, I love, but you know, it just, I think Reese's peanut butter cups, it's just a, a staple. There's no work involved, right? You don't got to break them. You don't got to get chocolate on your hands. You just pop it in. It's done. Yeah. And sometimes with Snickers, if it's hot out, nougat, that just sounds messy. And as a kid, I loved Butterfingers, but now, dude, the, getting that stuff stuck in your teeth drives me nuts. I agree. I actually, you know, when you were younger and you could just eat whatever you wanted, I think I got food poisoning. I had a sandwich and then a Butterfinger, and then two hours later, I got violently ill, have not had a Butterfinger since. 
Poor Butterfinger. Because you're a yeah. bad bologna sandwich, Butterfinger paid the price. It was a chicken parm from a sub shop that was gone within months after that episode. I got a feeling it was the chicken parm. I agree. Um, okay, so a song that probably is going to surprise some people should be on every Sexy Time playlist out there because it is on mine. Next, we have a song called Jesse by Joshua Cadison. So not sure people know about this hidden gem. Album was released in 93 called Painted Desert Serenade. The entire album is absolutely awesome. Joshua Cadison's like a singer, songwriter, piano player, very old Billy Joel coffee house type of an artist. Definitely not what we would call rock. I've sent you songs like this before that you've enjoyed. What'd you think about this one? I forgot about this song. Total flashback. This was a really, really nice surprise. Never was a fan of that song of his beautiful in my eyes. It was just kind of graded against me. But this one, I remember, I mean, it got radio play. It was, it was out there. This is a really nice song. Take away the part of them talking about fucking cat. <laughs> yeah. that's it's a little creepy but there were artists around this time so it made me think of john sakata had a yeah, couple well, of yeah. singles yeah. so you know this is where you had artists like this where they came out they had a couple of nice ballads and then they probably their follow-up album just never charted and they disappeared but it reminded me a bit of also walking in memphis that came right. out i think a couple of years so just that solo artist really nice probably went against you know what was out in pop and you know this is peak grunge 1993 so for something like this to chart and resonate with someone like me who is a you know a big grunge fan it was a nice flashback hadn't heard the song in 30 years and, and played this one a lot over the last couple of weeks yeah guys like joshua Cadison, sakata they all came out in that early 90s that puts you right in the middle of heavy dating graduating high school right into college so these are the songs that are the love songs of your generation almost yeah, because I think the other thing, too, is that whereas hard rock, heavy metal, those artists were coming out with a ballad. My wife and I, we went to high school together. The prom songs that were in consideration in 1991, it was Heaven by Brian Adams. Love that song. Uh, Forever by Kiss. Love song by Tesla. Wow. Hard rock artists that came out with the ballad. You didn't have that with the grunge. So you were going to, you know, like you said, for, for dating music, if you were making a mix in 1993 of current music, you were going to have to grab a singer-songwriter as opposed to uh, you know, Pearl Jam or Devano. Heaven's interesting because that's an older song. Mine was This Could Be the Night, and Heaven was considered then. I don't think it was a popular pick. <laughs> Let's just say that Mr. Gelati had strong opinions that I still remember 30 plus years later of uh, not going with Forever by Kiss and going with Brian Adams. Or I think it was probably Brian fucking Adams. <laughs> nice. All right. So if you've never heard Joshua Cadison, uh, here is a little bit of Jesse. Jesse paints your pictures about how it's going to be. By now I should know better your dreams. I'll never free But tell me all about Our little trailer by the sea Jesse, you can always Sell any dream to me Oh, Jesse, you can always Sell any dream to me How the cat's been 
We're going to go back to Sweden for the next one. Since you didn't love heat, it's possible you didn't love Eclipse. So we're going to go with Never Look Back. I love this catchy song. If you don't know anything about Eclipse, been around since 99, eight studio albums. This one's off Monumentum, released in 2017. I've seen them live a couple of times on Mork now. I've been binging these guys since 2019, and uh, I'm in love with them. But if you didn't like Heat, you most likely did not like Eclipse. Well, now that explains the Swedish connection, because for both Heartbreaker and this song, I have why do they sing oh, oh, oh during the song? They're trying to be catchy. And that was no, 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 when I was hearing it. Yeah, this song just didn't do much for me. It reminded me of a band that you know I don't like, but I know that when my kids were growing up, it was on the radio a lot, um, the band Fall Out Boy. Yeah, I had the notes here. I was like, let's, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. Well, for the listeners, here's a little bit of Never Look Back. Wonder Woman, Black Widow, or Supergirl? Wonder Woman only because I'm not a huge Marvel fan or DC. You know, I'll, I'll watch the the blockbusters. I saw all the Christian Bale movies, but I know Black Widow is the Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's nice, but Wonder <laughs> Woman. I mean, Linda Carter. <laughs> Linda Carter's mine too. I don't care who else is Wonder Woman now. <laughs> yes. Hello, this is Eric Martinson and. Philip Krusner and Magnus Henriksson from Eclipse, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Steven and Hollywood. Turn it up. So earlier we had this song from Left Field, so we're going to call this song the song from Right Field, Unrequited Love by Mast Intruder. So Mast Intruder is a power punk band, been around a long time, formed in Wisconsin, fun to see live. The songs are fun. They're at a good pace. They're short. The videos are absolutely hilarious. And all the members are named after a color. And they all wear a corresponding ski mask on stage, by the way. So Intruder Blue is on lead vocals and lead guitar. Intruder Green is the rhythm guitarist. Intruder Red is the drummer. Intruder Yellow left them in 2019. And now Intruder Purple is on bass. Dude, just a fun band. And when they're on stage, they'll straight up tell you, we're basically having people rob your cars right now, but just stay here. You don't want to get messed up in what's going on in the parking lot right now. Like, just fun guys. Do you enjoy any of this power punk stuff? I really wanted to like the song because I like punk. I, I like the fact, you know, it's a three minutes, get in and out. I like the beat. I just didn't care for the guy's voice. This song reminded me a lot of the song, That Thing You Do. And I like the song. It's catchy. The chords, everything about the song, except the guy's voice 
I really liked, you know, and I think if it was a different singer, I would really, really like this song a lot. Get a different singer. I think it may have been something where I would have even gone and listened to uh, other songs on the album. And similar to uh, what we were talking about, or what I mentioned with Talisman, you know, with the album cover popped up, I was like, why do they have ski masks? <laughs> now I know. <laughs> you know, since we were talking a moment ago about Linda Carter going back to the 70s, I'm always going to give a chance for anyone hiding their identity because growing up, the show Make Me Laugh, the unknown comic. Oh, yeah. Him? Yeah, yeah. Keep bag. Yeah. That guy was hysterical. Yeah. So I looked at it. I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Maybe there's a little 70s. And then with the punk, I was like, all right. You know, there is some old school reference. But you know, if you got another song you want to send me on the side for this band, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Well, the vocalist is still the same, so it's not going to probably Yeah, happen. true. <laughs> the unknown comic, I remember thinking one time, he should have somehow copyrighted the paper bag because the Saints – Every fan wore that for how many years? Yep, absolutely. The Aints. <laughs> the Aints, yeah. All right, so for the listeners, uh, here's a little bit of Unrequited Love. I'm in love. Unrequited love. Nobody cares for me. Yeah, I'm in love. And then the final song that I gave you, the 10th song on the playlist, was a song called Viral by Amaranth. So this one's different than most of the stuff I sent you. If you don't know anything about Amaranth, Swedish band, formed in 2008, six studio albums. The lead singer, Elise Ridd, is hot as hell. And I sent you a picture of that. I think you agreed with that. I would classify this music as symphonic metal. This whole triple vocalist thing, when you got a one female clean singer, one male clean singer, one Cookie Monster dude, and they're all on the same song, it makes it interesting for people. Um, usually in those songs, the clean female voice is running the chorus to keep you interested. I'm assuming you didn't love this song. Take out the Cookie Monster, it would have had a chance. That just, I was, oh, why did he finish with this? <laughs> she's got a great voice, you know, and I know we saw that really start to take off in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, you know, there are bands out there that I like that type of sound, but once I heard the cookie monster and, you know, I think even though they didn't sound this way, I always just remember like in, you know, college, post-college, it was the band Gore. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, I was like, all right, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Listen to it once and moved on. You would be surprised how big stuff like this is in Finland, in Greenland. For some reason, there's a part of Europe that absolutely is latched on to this type of music. I, I did not realize so many of these artists were Swedish. Abba, are you a fan? Meh. It's a little too pop. I think the reason is, is that I heard it when I was getting into hard rock and it just could not like break the barrier for whatever reason. And they were bigger in like the seventies and early eighties, 
versus like the mid to late eighties. So really you could say it's before me. I think the other thing too was, you know, when a lot of the seventies sounds started to make a comeback, 93, 94, I think it was, you know, getting traction, but then it was overkill. I think the whole, like the Mamma Mia musical and stuff like that, it just, it killed it for a lot of folks, but there was a time where it was like, oh, you know, cause I think when you had the hard heavy metal and then the grunge disco pop from the seventies, it was just a, it was a nice flashback. And then, uh, you know, I think it got a little carried away. So I was a big fan of ABBA in the nineties, the but now, you know, just me and my wife and my daughters, the, the musical, the movies, it's just, it's like, all right, enough <laughs> all right so for the listeners here is a little bit of viral by Amarin. like we live in the world of deception on the nerd that is going under like we left all the truth and the fiction we turn in the wrong direction i know we cannot bring the sounds back never do except one voice we are not alone as the title this is it's going In a world that is lost on wonder Look around, then you see It's the doubt that we face All right, so that was 10 songs. What were your three favorite? Angel Tonight, Deeper Into You, Jesse. Without question, as soon as I heard each of those, it was like, good tune. And actually, I'll get inside, eight of the 10 I liked. Heartbreaker and Viral, I was like, uh, you know, and never looked back. But I was pleasantly surprised at how, you know, even the ones I wasn't a huge fan of, I was like, all right, it's got a good beat. But you know, for stuff like Anytime at all, it's hard to go back to the 80s to that type of sound if you haven't been listening to it for years. But uh, overall, I, I liked what you sent. And, you know, I uh, look forward for us trying to do that again. Hello, I'm Simon LeBon, and you are listening to the Pantheon Network. So now it's time for my 10. And going through this mentioned earlier, I thought it was going to be 10 songs, period. And then I realized I had to pick five rock, heavy metal. And knowing that anything that was going to be grunge themed, Matt Brutal, what, you know, uh, uh, Brutal was already going to be the response. I want to try to go off the beaten path a little bit. We'll get into is some of these songs, you know, putting it together. I realized that the majority of them came within a, two, three-year period, because for me, my background, I'm the oldest child. I've talked with you in the past about how you're influenced by what's around you. Without older siblings, my mother was playing the Bee Gees, Barry Manilow, Barbara Streisand, and that stuff just kind of seeps into you. And you know, my wife is not a fan of any of them, but I'll still play it on the side. What I realized, though, is growing up, there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood with older siblings. And there was a lot of ACDC, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, and then little Johnny Murphy coming by singing Bee Gees tunes, you know, it was a traumatic childhood in some respects. So, you know, coming in and, and listening to some of these songs and, you know, when you get to you know college and you start, I had cassettes. I didn't have a CD in my possession until like 1992, 93. And then you go to college and you got, you know, Tommy's got this catalog of CDs and Zeus has, you know, 12 
you know, Columbia House memberships. So you get exposed to all this different music and you just start taking a chance and some of it seeps in, some of it doesn't. But, you know, getting that exposure, you know, looking back was like, wow, you know, 92 to 95 really was where uh, kind of the, you know, just a huge influence on me, like you were saying for you is probably like 85 to, to 89. So my first song, we're going to go back though. It is View to a Kill, 1985, Duran Duran. Now, this is a band that obviously everyone knows the hits, 82 to probably 88, and then had a nice little comeback in 93. Ordinary World was just a, one of my favorite songs from that period. But why I picked this one, I was not a fan of Hungry Like the Wolf. I was not a huge fan of Rio. But I don't know if it was you know with the Bond movie or just the different beat, but this song, the MTV video, this was the first Duran Duran song that really resonated with me. And got a lot of play, 8045. You know, it was just, uh, I think it was a number one single. And uh, curious of what your thoughts are on the band and this particular song. Yeah. So before I share my thoughts about A View to a Kill, from your 10 songs, I had heard four of them previously, but three out of the four, I maybe heard once or twice in my life. Okay. okay. This was the one I was the most familiar with because it's, I mean, it's Duran Duran. And it's a view to a kill. The movie came out while I was watching movies in movie theaters, and I was uh, old enough to go. Roger Moore is my Bond, so that connects. This was the only James Bond song, by the way, to go number one. And just so happens, almost to the day of our recording, it was number one 38 years ago. Wow. And if you think about that, Sonny, just of, you know, as you said, the only number one song, Live and Let Die. Yeah. The Spy Who Loved Me, yep. you know, Adele's song, it, you know, it. That's impressive that none of those other songs made it to number one. Yeah. I've always liked it. I always thought it was well-written. I thought the guys did a good job of writing a song that fit the franchise because they were kind of going after it. There's some story that one of the Taylor brothers was drunk somewhere and said, hey, we should write a song for you guys when he saw the director of this next James Bond movie at the same party. And they were already hot. So the director's like, you guys want to do a song for my movie? It sounds good to me, right? So I've always liked it. Great start to the playlist. You know, Duran Duran's like an indie rock band that made it big, right? Because when you listen to Girls on Film, it, that, that is not a polished pop group. That is a indie rock band that's trying to get somewhere. But they made it, and good for them. But I've always liked the song. So next, Alex Chilton, 1987, by The Replacements. Now, Sonny, I'm aware of your feelings of uh, the music with uh, your previous comments on ARC, the single soundtrack. The Replacements were a band that should have been bigger, 
They came out in early to mid 80s. They were a huge influence on a lot of the, the bands that came out 10 years later. And the story is that musically, they were at the same level as R.E.M. I know you don't like R.E.M., but they were still there. <laughs> That's not helping them. <laughs> yeah, they should have had more commercial success. But the legacy for them is they were on Saturday Night Live in uh, 1985 or 86. And everyone was nervous about how they were going to perform because they were known for being drunk and just uh, destructive. They had a good sound check. But then there was four or five hours before they would perform and they were just pounding beers the whole time. Apparently, they went out and turned all of their speakers up to 11 so that when they came on, it just blew out. It was not coming through the TV well. The sound technicians had to change it on the fly. And then Paul Westerberg dropped an F-bomb on uh, live TV. So from there, a lot of folks said they were you know, blacklisted, but they were self-destructive. And uh, but for this particular song, this was one that I picked because got a little bit of a pop feel. It, it is, you know, traditional hard rock, if you will. But it also makes reference to an artist by the name of Alex Chilton, who was in a band called Big Star in the early 70s. Story is that Rolling Stone loved it. The distribution sucked and they got no traction. But their three albums were in the Rolling Stone top 500 of all time and they were a huge influence on the replacements paul westerberg rem the bangles and uh so that's why i picked this song and just uh, kept my fingers crossed so thoughts so don't know anything about the replacements uh, what you just told me is more than i've ever known and i had never heard this song before i didn't know about the big star thing but i did know that he was a member of the box tops because I went back and started listening to some of that 50s and 60s Motown, rockabilly, pop type stuff. And I, I love that letter, you know, sent me a letter song. Love that song. I would call this song alt pop, hummable guitar, hummable vocal melody, bouncy, catchy. The lyrics made absolutely zero sense to me. But I did find myself more than once this last couple of weeks with I'm in love. What's that song? I'm in love. With, like, just, you know, how you're doing stuff around the house and you start humming yeah. something. I'm like, what the hell am I humming? And why am I humming this? Because it's memorable. Costanza. <laughs> yeah, Costanza. Yeah. Overall, I actually did like the song. I had never heard it before, though. I don't think you probably would like most of their catalog, but this was one where, you know, like I said, I, I thought the beat, it was catchy and, um, mildly surprised it didn't actually get more traction back in the day but 87 you know it could have been just you know the timing of it Next, Chasing Heather Crazy by Guided by Voices. Now, this is a band that I do not know a lot about, but in the Boston area, mid-90s, uh, there was this alternate rock station, and they had a song 
called Motor Away. It was maybe two minutes, you know, fit what we were talking about earlier, like a punk sound. And it seemed like every couple of years, a song of theirs would get picked up by someone. So it, it seemed like one of those bands, like the artists, directors in TV and movies, like they were cool if you knew this band because uh, the TV show Scrubs, actually played a number of their songs during montages and uh they actually in the opening credits the singer for this band is singing the intro to the show this song here actually even though it came out in 2001 i just stumbled upon a couple years ago and the reason why i picked it was just the chorus the beat you know if you could get through the first 45 seconds i thought maybe this has a chance with sunny uh had some little earworms to it but what did you think (laughs) i love the what did you think um, all right. So don't know anything about guided by voices. <laughs> when I first saw the band name, I thought it was going to be one of those bands, you know, that make the kitty CDs that make like crazy bitch into PG. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what those kitties kids bop. That's what it is. Kids bop. I thought, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I thought it was something like that. Um, never heard the song before. I would call this indie pop, almost rock. I actually really like the vocal melody. I thought the chorus was awesome. I did not love him carrying out that her. Like, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, stop doing that. And I had no idea what the song was about. And this is part of this indie music that I swear to God, these folks are just putting words together to rhyme them. But I wrote some down. So part of the verse goes, trailing off the likes of it. She likes it when it grows. Okay, that sounds like my penis. Sending out a candidate, she's sinking her foes. I don't even know what that means. Peeking out, then leveling wherever it goes. Dude, basically you're Ace Fraley rhyming lyrics. Like these have nothing to do with each other. As I said, get through the first 45 seconds. (laughs) So I didn't hate it. I just didn't quite understand it. But I did really like the chorus. This is where I've said it before, like, the John Bon Jovi's and Richie Sambora's that wrote songs together, wrote these great songs together. Then the two separate and they start doing things like the other would not have allowed. This felt kind of like somebody needs to tell the singer, dude, don't like hold out words. That's not a good idea for you because you go flat when you do it and it's not good. I knew this one was going to be a reach, but you know, and I, I think with me, I'll go in listening to the lyrics at a later time, but if the sound pulls me in, that's what's going to catch me first. And I agree, you know, after I listened to the song, you know, discovered it and then went to go research on the lyrics. I was like, what the fuck are these <laughs> lyrics meaning? So I agree that it's a little tough to follow. with one that I'm sure you were familiar with. You've listened over to the years and maybe stopped listening to, but I went with Dreaming by Blondie from 1979. And this is actually a song that while I was very familiar with Blondie and the hits, I didn't discover this song until the mid-90s. 
And this was a song that kind of made an impact on me because I remember it was right after getting out of college. And my wife, Christina, you know, was actually living down Cape Cod for the summer. And I would be driving down on the weekends in my 1986 Ford Escort with the windows down because I had no AC. So I needed to get that breeze in there. And this was a song that I stumbled upon, played a lot. Just, you know, makes me think of just being outdoors, you know, doing something fun and uh, just it's an upbeat song. You know, it, you kind of bounce to it. I did anyways. I don't know if you just listened to it and then moved on, but very curious what your thoughts were on this one. So I'm a hits guy with Blondie. I have maybe heard this song one other time in my life. I've just never had the need to like deep dive Blondie music because that power pop stuff that happened like in the late 70s, Cheap Trick, everybody's always talking about Cheap Trick. I, I don't get them. The only cheap trick I like is the the stuff that cheap trick fans hate, which is the stuff that was like late 80s, right? Which was more 80s than it was 70s. And speaking of cheap trick, that was one of the songs that we you know started this dialogue back in the day was, hey, Sonny, what do you think of Ghost Town? Yeah. So if I remember right, this was a single. The drums are absolutely going nuts in the song and they fit the song, which is great. Debbie sounds great. There's one thing about Blondie album production I don't know if she's like singing in a hallway. I don't know what effect is on her voice. It almost makes it feel futuristic, Mork and Mindy. Like it's got something to it that other production from this time frame doesn't have. But I like that unique production. Simple guitar melody, lots of harmonizing vocals to create earworms. Very danceable song. Song had my head bop in. I'm like, I don't understand why I've never really heard this song because I actually really liked it. Like I like most of the Blondie hits. I just don't know any of the deep stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know if this would be considered a deep one because it was released as a single, but it's 79, so they were still at their peak because I think Call Me came out either, it was either on this album or the following album, but I was surprised at the time when I stumbled upon it. I was like, how have I not heard this earlier? So, all right, really glad to hear that uh, this one didn't get shut down. I was nervous because that song I'm a big fan of. you should be nervous <laughs> okay all right can we go like uh you know a uh, hundred thousand dollar pyramid pass let's just go skip over them so all right next song molly not the drug but sunny maybe you would have preferred taking the drug as opposed to listening to the song from 1994 by the band sponge this may have actually been categorized as grunge uh i, I view it as more of kind of like indie alt this was a song that I wasn't a big fan of the band, but something about just how this song started with the little guitar riff and then guys talking slash singing. And this is actually one where the words grab me right away and find out that, you know, it's got the little reference to 
Molly Ringwald. I view this as kind of more punkish as opposed to of the times in, in 1994. This one I know was going to be a reach. I don't know anything about what the band did after this, if they had any luck. But this was one that I just said, let me take a stab at it, see what his thoughts are and uh, kind of have a feeling what the response is going to be. But have at it. <laughs> All right, so Molly, 16 Candles Down the Drain. So I don't know anything about Sponge. So I went and listened to Plowed, which is supposedly their hit single. <laughs> it wasn't great. So I didn't have high hopes for this song. And I remember seeing the album cover art at record stores when it first came out. I remember being turned off then because it was getting displayed with the Nirvanas and everything. I'm like, yeah. I loved that the song started immediately, almost surprisingly immediately. Yep. So no wasting time. The wasting of time came with the 8500s don't ask why <laughs> like dude you can't just say the same shit over and over and over but then i really like the stop the music and then 16 candles down the drain like that's a cool earworm it's a unique way to write the course but i couldn't get past the don't ask why thing i was glad it was only three and a half minutes because it was a tough listen for me well and the thing is too if you take out don't ask why it's probably a minute 45 seconds <laughs> <That's right. laughs> maybe 45 seconds yeah and that's where it was more of, you know, the second half of the song. I like his voice more at the end as opposed to, to the beginning, but yeah, had to try. So the next one, going back to a song from the early days of MTV, Say Goodbye by Triumph, 1982. I picked this song more so. We did not have cable TV in the Murphy household until 1993. So it was always just the you know, 10, 12 channels, go down to you know other kids in the neighborhood, go to their house, MTV's on. You know, and this one here, I think, got a lot of play early on. Went back to actually look at the video because I remember saying it was a pretty bizarre looking video. It's fucked up. It looks like they're on a spaceship that's standing on a guitar. They got the wind blowing. They're kind of glamming it up for the camera, which is unfortunate because I just fucking have always loved this song. As I said, it was you know not the music I was being introduced to in the Murphy household. But when I heard this nine years old, I was like, this is a good song. And, you know, I never get tired of listening to this one. Sonny, your thoughts. Triumph is one of the two bands on your list that I've actually seen live. I saw them live in 87, Black and Blue opened. Good Lord, fucking Black and Blue. Um, and they played Oakland Coliseum Arena. That's not a small arena. And then I saw them in 88 at a Six Flags show, and they were the only player <laughs> they played at the park. Oh. <laughs> Um, to change. Yeah, it was a long 16 months, I guess. So obviously a band I know, I love Rick Emmett's voice. I like it when Rick sings the songs. I own the album. All that being said, I had not heard this song probably 20, 25 years. And I don't know why. Because Triumph is hit and miss for me. When they're trying to be Rush, I hate it. When they are straight ahead rock like this song is, I love it. Right? So it's hard for me to like put Triumph in and just let it go. Because as soon as they dip into Rush, I want to like chuck the CD out the window. 
but I will tell you, this was a surprisingly great choice for me because I had not heard the song in forever, even though I own the album, loved it. And everybody's been through a relationship that's gone bad, so the lyrical content always works. You get a catchy song with a great vocalist, dude, I was all over the song. And I think the other thing, too, is just how the song starts, just that riff. This is a song actually where you know, the house is empty and I'm, I got, you know, just putting the songs, music on the, the Bose speaker. I'll crank this one up. I just think it's just a great song to just you know, turn up the volume and, and listen to. So glad you like that one. Little girl dressed to kill. I see you through your disguise. song sick of myself from 1995 by matthew sweet this song here was one of the the last songs that i heard in college as has been shared on other podcasts tom was my roommate for four years in college so played a lot of music together we actually had the ability to pick up a radio signal from Rhode Island. There was a alternative station down there. And as we were wrapping up, you know, before moving home, caught wind of this song and just pulled me in right away. Once again, it was the the tar riff and the sound. Matthew Sweet was, you know, once again, indie, mid-late 90s, never really crossed over to uh, mainstream. But why I picked this one, Sonny, is that he has done three albums within the last 10 years of uh, cover tunes with Susanna Hoffs. And I know that you are a fan of Susanna, so I thought maybe if he likes Susanna and she's willing to do some collaboration with Matthew Sweet, maybe he'll like this one. What'd you think? So this (laughs) Sick of Myself by Matthew Sweet, this was an interesting one, so I'm going to go through all the things. So when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Ain't nothing going to brick in my stride. And I'm like, wait a second, that's Matthew Wilder. That's not Matthew Sweet, right? So I'm like- why do I know this name then? Because I shouldn't know the name. I've never heard anything by this dude. And I had done a deep dive a while back on Susanna Hoffs and found out these three cover albums. Dude, their cover of Maggie Mae is awesome. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, oh, yeah, I have heard of this guy a little bit. So I'm like, all right, let me listen to this song. Almost felt part country, part pop, part rock. Dude, his vocal was very pleasing to the air. That chorus was super catchy. The guitar solo was almost too noodly for the song I was hearing, but I was surprised with the guitar skills. So overall, I love this song. I only had one beef with it, and that was the two false endings. It's like, dude, you ain't Prince. You ain't never going to be Prince. Stop that no. shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't understand I, I why agree. people do that. 
Yeah. I don't understand. That's where people start applauding, and it's like, no, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> The next one, which I think I know what the response is going to be, but Supernova by Liz Fair, 1994. So again, back to you know, just uh, the time hanging out with Tommy. We were going into our senior year in college and Liz Fair had an album come out, Exiling Guyville. She was the journalist's darling. She was on the cover of Rolling Stone. You know, she was writing lyrics that were, you know, I think, catchy, but you know, obscene, controversial and, you know, you would maybe say, you know, gave zero fucks. And some of her stuff I really liked. Some of it I was, you know, eh. But this particular song really got a lot of play in 94 in our room at college. Just kind of had a feel of, even though it's not punkish, it was three minutes. It was, you know, kind of in your face and uh, just took a chance. Wanted to see what your thoughts were on this one. So, yeah, alt rock, indie rock to me. Don't know anything about Liz Fair. Never heard the song and wish I had never heard it because, man, this was a tough listen. Because when the fuzz guitar came in, for some reason, I'm like, is there any chance we're headed for like Lenny Kravitz? Because this would be really cool. And boy, was I wrong. Dude, her voice is just as annoying to me. I couldn't get through the song. I tried listening a couple of times and I'm just like, I... now, the fuck like a volcano thing. Okay, that got my interest and that was about it. I had to rewind and go, did she just say fuck like a volcano? <laughs> But overall, I wasn't in love with this song. Even in the moment, the lyric, your kisses are like an F-16, you fuck like a volcano and you're everything to me. Yeah, even in the moment, like, what? Play that back? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I tried. So next one, this was one that I had to put out there for those that are listening to this for the you know rock review, step away for the next few minutes. We are going ultra pop. That's what love can do. 1993 boy. Crazy is the band. I think it was just those record companies get four artists that look nice, can carry a tune, even if they can't, we'll have backing tracks and 
get someone that can write a catchy single and send it out there. This is as pop as it'll ever get. And you know, as we talked about earlier, in 1993, when everything's about grunge and you have something like this, got a lot of airplay for about eight weeks. I think it got close to the top of the charts. And this just fades into oblivion, never to be heard of again, except if it's someone like me. And Sonny, I know you probably have songs like this as well that just stay with you and get brought up on a podcast such as this. So did you recall this song and what did you think? So I love some of the boy bands. I'm not opposed to the all-girl bands, Pussycat Dolls, hot as fuck, right? Nicole Scherzinger, top of the list for me. I had never heard this song before. I had never heard of this group before. So since I know it's an all-girl group and I'm a man... I go check out pictures. I would say Ruth Ann Roberts, who is Rue DeBona now, was the hottest out of them all. I sent you a picture. I know yes. our text group probably gets you in trouble with your wife, but we're a little crazy with that, <laughs> but whatever. Um, <laughs> I feel bad for the group that somebody named them Boy Crazy, that we couldn't get a less cheesier name for yes. this band. That's unfortunate. So when I first heard the song, I'm like, all right, we're headed for Pointer Sisters, maybe? And we were. It was very danceable. I don't mind the Pointer Sisters at all. The chorus is what hooked me because that whole, but that's what love can do. I don't want to break your heart in two. And that in two is being carried out as the next line and leave you crying gets sung. I absolutely love hooks like that. Dude, this was a outstanding song. The rock card has gone out the window. People are going to give me all kinds of hell about this, but it was three minutes and 22 seconds long, which it didn't overstay its welcome, which sometimes those things end up with a dance track in the middle and then it lasts another two and a half minutes. It doesn't surprise me. It probably lasted about eight weeks. I will tell you, this will be on playlists for the rest of my life. I had never heard this and I thought it was awesome. It's great. I feel good. Can I be Costanza and on a high note and we'll just pass on the last one? <laughs> You don't know that you're not going to end the high note on the last one. All right. Good night. song when you were young from 2006 by the killers so this is a band that some folks will say rock traditional rock was making a comeback after all the you know goth angry rock from the late 90s post woodstock debacle you had a couple of bands that started to come onto the scene that had more of a sound from maybe the decade before grunge their debut album hot fuzz was a massive success I didn't come into that at that particular time because at that point, Christina and I were had uh, started a family. And, you know, those years of uh, 2000 or 2003 slash four is a bit of a blur. But I remember where I was when I heard this song I was driving out to 
Western Mass. It was, you know, during the fall, so foliage. And at that point, we had the three kids. And one of the things my sister-in-law made a reference one time was my kids would sing lyrics to songs for alt music, rock music. And my sister-in-law said, my kids sing Wheels on the Bus. Your kids are singing rock songs. Like, what's going on? I'm like, my kids are cool. But this one, just with the the guitar, the intro, caught my attention in the moment. You know, this is one of those songs where I knew where I was. The moment I heard it, love the song, play this all the time. By far, my favorite song of theirs. Sonny, what did you think? So The Killers I Know, it's the second band that I've seen live that was on this list. I actually caught them in Vegas in 2005. I happened to be in Vegas. They were playing at the Hard Rock. They're a Vegas band. I think they were doing an offshoot show. They were awesome. And so I didn't really know anything about them. I just happened to be at the Hard Rock and they were playing. I'm like, there's a band playing right now? And just got a ticket and went in. After I saw them live, I went and got Hot Fuss. And I actually liked that album. So I was looking forward to when Samstown came out. This was the first single. It's a great rock song. I actually like Brandon Flowers' voice. He's kind of got this weird... um, vocal technique that feels like on edge like he's about to cry almost like all the time it's not breathy it's not screechy it's just it's not whiny it's just it's in a weird spot it's very very unique but yeah i hadn't heard this song a long while because i haven't heard the killers in a long while except for probably mr brightside every once in a while but uh this is a really good rock song So that's my 10. Do you have your top three? Yeah. My number three out of these were Sick of Myself by Matthew Sweet. I never heard it. I thought it was a great song. A Say Goodbye by Triumph. It's almost like a newly discovered song since I hadn't heard it so long ago. And number one was that Boy Crazy song. Dude, that song <laughs> is so damn good. <laughs> I'm going to get all kinds of hate mail for that. But I love Sync, Backstreet Boys, Pussycat Dolls, like all those bands that release that one or two, well, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC have a couple of great albums, but a lot of those bands had like one or two songs, New Edition, Boys to Men, right? It, just something about it. So, Sonny, we know that Ba Rutul and Matt are your two calling words. Uh, yeah. Should we expect to see on some of the text threads, you're just a fool? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Okay. But I don't know if people will get it. <laughs> yeah, but I'll get it. <laughs> That's true. There you go. You can help out the podcast greatly by leaving us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. The links are in the show notes, or just drop us a line at our email, growinguprock at gmail.com. So we just discussed 20 songs. Now for the listeners, this playlist, the link I'm going to give you, it's 71 minutes total for 20 songs. So I know... Righty and Steven and Tom and Zeus are listening. Dude, you don't have to have eight or nine minute songs for people to get interested. They can be three and a half minute songs and be wonderful. You know, there was some we probably didn't love and some we really liked, but uh, overall it feels like every time we talk, we learn more about each other through the conversation, which that's what made this idea 
interesting to me. And that's what made this episode fun for me. So thanks for coming on. What was good about this list is that, you know, if you're willing to give new music or just get reacclimated with some that you haven't heard in a long time, do it with the three minute songs. If it's an eight or nine minute song, now you're just being mean to, to someone if they don't like it. So get in, get out, make your decision. If you like it, you can go back and, you know, 71 minutes for 20 songs. It's not much time. I've taken shits that are longer than that. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> Like Metallica. Let's say you have a friend that hasn't heard much Metallica. I love the song Master of Puppets. Dude, it's eight and a half minutes long. You cannot hand that song as a first listen to somebody. You're going to have to pick something else. Pick a different artist if that's the case then. You got to keep them short and sweet. All right. So you got professional equipment and everything. What, are you going to be a podcaster yourself now? Are you going to compete against all the other podcasts that are out there? No, I'm just going to go away and uh, enjoy the summer. And if the bat signal comes up, I'll jump out. But other than that, you know, I'll just keep listening to all the podcasts. I like listening and uh, I appreciate the invite. I really enjoyed the prep for this. Tip of the hat to all you folks that just do this week after week, because I know there's a lot of work that goes into it. So kudos. Well, thanks for joining. Thank you. Now, should we consider this a successful experiment? There you go. Another wild hair in the books. I want to thank Murph for hanging out with me. For being new friends, it seemed we both batted somewhere between 300 and 800 on the songs we chose for each other. It's amazing how graduating high school in 1986 versus 1991 can completely skew your musical taste. The musical landscape was changing so fast, and when you look back at it, it's just crazy. And finally, I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, leave a review there, and then go to Podchaser and rate and review there. It really helps us out. I'll close with giving my partner in crime a shout out. Stephen Michael, you missed out on the festivities today because, well, we didn't invite you. Love ya. That's funny. I don't care who you are. All right, that's a good joke, right? <laughs> now, we didn't do a historic moment on this episode, so as per the growing up rock tradition, I'm going to shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here, but this time it'll be with a random Kiss cover song. Talk to you soon. Later. It's time to shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Get ready to turn it up. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 